It's August the 13th, 2019. This is 508, a show about Worcester. I am Mike Benedetti. This is Brendan Melican. How are you doing? Good, brother. How are you? I'm doing good. And this is today's guest, Worcester School Committee Challenger, Gemma Kamara. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing good. It's great to have you on the show. This is this is our last or next to last in our series of um, our series of school committee challenger interviews. So it's exciting to get to this point. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you the questions that we ask everybody: Why are you running, and how have you been active in public life in Worcester up until now? So the story is that I I am I'm running because um, I believe in doing whatever it takes um, to ensure that our kids get you know quality education here in the city and um, I'm running because I'll do whatever it takes um, to, to, you know, to ensure that it's done. And just then from my own story, I came here when I was 11 years old from Liberia um, as an immigrant. I don't like using that word, but I'll use that. Um, it's, it's accurate though. Yeah, it's accurate. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Just, the sound of it just doesn't sound so good in my ears. I don't know why. But um, <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I came here and uh, I, I was in the public schools, public school educated from started at Canterbury School, Sullivan Middle, South High. So, um, and when I was in school, it wasn't all that you know um, um, breezy. It was you know difficulties. So I had some, I had experienced some difficulties in my education. Like for example, I was told I didn't belong in a program um, when I tried to advance myself by taking AP courses. Um, I sat in a class. A whole year and the teacher never called on me and there was three african-american kids in the, in the classroom in mm-hmm. high school but fortunately i did not let that stop me um i saw you know a lot of when i was at south high and in high school there's so many things going on like kids who were doing drugs you know some of my peers you know um uh, you know uh, were getting pregnant and mm-hmm. i just didn't want to be a statistic so i um, I applied myself and I graduated, you know, top of my class. Um, I was the vice pre- vice president of my class and I got a, you know, tuition scholarship to attend Providence College. And I have a, a degree in public health. So I actually see health as a, as a means of quality education in the social determinants of health. Wherever you live, learn, work, play, all impacts your health. And quality education is a main component. In my story, um, I feel like I, one way or the other, my story resonates with any, every most students in the public schools um, who come from either low, low income background or you know a single home family or just trying to be something and wanting to be something but not knowing how to do that. So I want to be the voice of our kids in the public schools. so that's why I'm running. Wow. Uh, let me ask you the school funding question, which is that Worcester is owed in excess of like $100 million by the state of Massachusetts. Um, what would you like to see us do to try to get this money back or what kind of uh, offer from the state would satisfy you that we don't need to keep suing them? So I think that um, we need more um, school committee members advocating. We need to um, join other um, organizations advocating for um, you know the money to be released um, to the schools. I know that the Promise Act is one method of us gaining all the, you know more money in, to come into our public schools mm-hmm. um, that will allow us to also use the funds in a way um, that the schools can use them for the benefit of, of, of students. Um, so I definitely think that you know like I know like the city is you know pursuing a lawsuit um, at the state level for right. the funding um, and I think that uh, this year um, it's very important that all members on the school committee 
or individuals on the school committee, um, teachers all rallied together to advocate for the funds to be, you know, given to our public schools. Because one that once that is released is going to do a whole lot of great things in our in in our city here, um, including you know helping to you know find equitable solutions for um, the homeless youth in our schools, mm -hmm. um, which is just um, a statistics that is you know is just really it's it's disturbing to say the least. Brendan Milliken, no, keep moving. Counterpoint, you don't no, have no, no counterpoint. <laughs> okay, not that kind uh, of show. Um, I, I just always like to harass Brendan by this. Brendan, tell me why homeless students are a good thing, please. <laughs> okay, uh, what's important for people to know about the academic outcomes of our schools? Um, and this is a question that I asked people, and they interpreted it different ways. I think it was originally intended to mean like, what should, yeah, just like like what kinds of information should parents know about the different schools so they could make good decisions or I don't know, that kind of thing. But that's the question. What, what should, what's important for people to know about the academic outcomes of our schools? So to, to answer that question, I will um, answer in two ways. One um, from the view of the student and then the other from the view of the parents. So, I, so from the view of the students, um, you know, the academic outcome, um, students should know about their academic outcomes um, because in the society, um, we students need to have certain you know key skills. Students need to have certain you know skills that can allow them to um, pursue futures that they want to pursue. Whether if they want to go to college onward or they just want to go into the work you know the workforce or right. vocational school, um, I think they need to understand that these options are there or available. And they more than that too, there needs to be a method in which that students can be on a track. If I don't want to go to college, but if I want to just enter the workforce, mm -hmm. we need to start identifying, you know, students in this, in these, in these, in these pockets, so that we are better able to help them. Yeah. Um, because in the next, according to the statistics, um, you know, only thirty-seven percent of um, the population here that graduate from the public schools have post-secondary degree. Yeah. But yet still, the jobs, um, the, the, the job market in the next um, four years, 2024, um, or more than that, is going to be in technology, healthcare, um, all of these, you know, um, fields that not only require, a, you know, post-secondary you know, post degree or higher degree, it requires, you know, to, for example, the tech world yeah. requires, you know, solid skills. And I, you know, I believe, truly believe that we need to find a curriculum that can really help students find who they are. On the view of the parent, parent needs to know, like, the processes um, that their kids are going to be, um, that, that they need to be involved with in the school in, in, in regards to how their kids are being treated and educated. And they also need to know ahead of time, especially in the concentration of um, population of parents that come from low income background mm -hmm. or, um, you know, just struggling to make end meets. And some who also they are working class parents and they don't have the time to come into schools all the time. I think we need to start um, devising programs to start catching kids as early as elementary school and catching parents, knowing that, you know, educating our parents this is these are the formalities these are the ways in which that you can get involved and these are the ways in which that based on a, a like a like a um, plan for your kids this the, you know these are the ways that your child can you know can succeed and we need to start identifying programs leveraging um universities in in, in worcester 
Um, you know, there's so many universities, I think more than 10 or 11 universities here in the city. There's also social service, service agencies that can also come to the table and help parents, um, you know, better, you know, understand the education system because some parents don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, did, you, did your folks know about all the, all the ins and the outs and all the options that were available to you no, when you were in school? No. So I had to find all of that on my own. Yeah. Nobody held my hand. I had to do all of that by myself. And my parents yeah. were very, they were, they were shocked. And they, they said, oh my, you know. So in my culture, um, parents don't, don't tend to um, kind of like praise you, you know, because they believe <laughs> that when they do that, a child might. It's going to make you weak. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, you know, my, like my father, um, uh, he was so headstrong with my education. And only very recently, he started to tell me, you know, good job or, you know, you're doing <laughs> <laughs> now that you're done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so but, you know, but the, the, my mother didn't know my father, even though like he worked in the public schools for a li- as a substitute teacher for a little bit. But he also saw the struggles there. Um, but he didn't know holistically how to get me out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about this, that like my parents knew. Uh, yeah, but both of my parents had at least some college, so they knew like how that system worked and they yeah. knew how, you know, it went to go from high school into that system. But when I look back on what the schools did for me, as far as that went, like if my parents had not sort of pushed me in that direction a little bit and my teachers not pushed me in the direction a little bit, this administration of the schools and anything else in the school was definitely not set up to track me one way or the other. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like, good luck, bro. You know, it wasn't like interested in being like, you know what, you might want to be a mechanic or you might want to be a physicist. It was just like, maybe you can just figure it out, which is like kind of a cool edgy DIY thing. (laughs) But maybe for a lot of students, it's not the healthiest for them. Do you want to say something? Yeah, no, I I was curious because you mentioned, uh, obviously, you have a a, a strong focus on preparing students for higher education after uh, public schools. what about the other aspects of education, though, like the arts, uh, and uh, along with that, just the idea that maybe college isn't for anyone. So yeah. it's like, isn't for anyone or everyone? Everyone. everyone. Did okay. I say anyone? You said anyone. anyone this is Peter Thiel here to no, my right. I, I like use myself as an, as an both my parents were college. Both my parents were educators, and they're college. But I never finished college, and it's like, I, I still to this day in my forties, I don't know if I actually regret that decision because things have kind of turned out. Okay, beautiful. But at the same time, I don't know uh, what else may have come up had I decided to actually apply myself to something. But I think I'm kind of at the point where I at least have to acknowledge that for me, college was not for me, right? Like we can do that now. And I think that's okay. But I I do feel that sometimes when we get into conversations about um, uh, outcomes, that it's always college focused as opposed to uh, figuring out how we're going to make young people happy yeah <laughs> no but, but, I, but i did say i didn't only say higher education mm-hmm. i did say any other like vocational school sure, sure, or sure, sure. but so i i so i do like for one like one of my platform for example um talks about you know create um bringing and supporting um k-12 science technology engineering arts and math programs mm-hmm. um and i'm huge on that because i also was a you know stem te- not stem but steam teacher um and when and and th- and this was what for students, you know, low income students. What did you teach? I STEM. So I, okay, I, I the whole thing. Yeah, the, yeah. So like, what I did is like I broke it down into sections. Um, and because I have a science background and I love technology. From my, I have a nonprofit where I do, you know, bring in education technology. So I love technology and I understand how technology can be used. Um, you know, uh, for so many things to so educate kids. You know, to even provide um doctors in the most remote parts of the world. So I I really 
you know, I I love that part of it. And I also know that ki some kids are so talented, you know, they can draw and they can do all this stuff. So how can we channel all of their skills, whatever skills that they have, um, to to like to mean quality skills for the workforce? And I think that's something yeah. that the um the sadly that the education system like the um the high schools like when kids graduate from high schools that's unfortunately something that they don't get they don't you know they, they have not nurtured um and so everyone is like <laughs> powering through wanting to go to college without you know skills or knowing knowing thyself knowing mm -hmm. who they are and then when they go to college it's like a different ball game because if you don't already have some prerequisites um like you know studying x y and z if you cannot make it you know then or if, if it's not just your your interest for example, because you're still searching for yourself, then it's a question mark. So I definitely think that um, there's a lot of opportunities nowadays, you know, for mm -hmm. kids to go into various areas. For example, if I had known that I could go to the Peace Corps or that I could do yeah. AmeriCorps um, right after um, high school, I would have done that, mm -hmm. you know, and that would have helped me um, long term and help the country and help, you know, whatever, you know, wherever I wherever I'll be stationed in AmeriCorps mm -hmm. or even, you know, going to because 18, you can go to the army, you can do the various things. Um, and if you have the skills and the the, 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 the the expertise, you can even, and in tech, you can even be a, start doing something in that too. Mm -hmm. You know, if kids know how to code and they can do yeah. so many things, you know. Um, and so I think now that Worcester is opening, there's a lot of organizations and, you know, um, businesses opening uh, with the arts yeah. um, and with the STEAM-based, you know, ideologies. I think we can definitely leverage, for example, Technocopia, um, they're totally. doing some fantastic things. Um, there's just to name a few of you know organizations. Um, uh, Becker College, for example, they have summer programs because they're known for um, what well, gaming. Um, yes. They're like the first in the world, I believe. Um, you know, they have programs for high school kids and even for middle school kids. Um, WPI Robotics, they, 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 do, they do a lot of things in the community, even Clark University. Yes. Um, so, I mean, if we can identify all these avenues and find kids who are interested. And like I went to a, a, a medical college, um, but I have a public health background. And at the university, you know, um, the university partnered with high schools where, you know, the brought students into the university who are interested in various, you know, med programs. Mm -hmm. And they had you know, med students. Um, supporting them, we need more of that. I know you. I was a part of a UMass program in high school that brought me to UMass, but it was just a selected few. So I think we need to open up for more students and more kids who have the aspirations um, to be whatever they want to be. Um, you know, and, and and not and not just giving it to a a, a particular hand group of you know chosen kids mm -hmm. um, to to be a part of that. And I think we need to you know give as kids access to information, parents access to information, um, and telling them this is X, Y, and Z. You can do X, Y, and Z to achieve your end goal. You know, if you want to do mechanic, you know, uh, uh, Worcester Tech. Um, you know, so, I mean, we, we just need to give parents access to information. Um, and one thing that I uh, that I see at all these places that I don't see in the public schools, and even recently, because I just went to um, register my niece um, to join uh, to start East Middle this year, I asked if there's an orientation. Um, when I was in school, I, there I didn't do no orientation. When I um, like for example for like to enter Sullivan Middle, I my parents didn't do no orientation. When I entered high school, um, like a few students were taken to the South High because I remember that, but there was not an orientation for parents and students. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that we need to we need to start integrating certain things even if it's small scale and see how that's going to go um and yeah and go from there what do, what do parents need to know about uh discipline in our schools 
what they need to know. What, yeah. They need to be involved. Um, because from the view of the parent, um, you know, how they believe their child is is a different thing from how the kids, you know, whatever discipline, um, whatever issue that happens in the school. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely think that if we get more parents involved into um, participating in schools, and I know there's like, you know, background checks where parents have to be certified, you know, a Corey check to, you know, to come into the schools. I think if parents who are in, want to be engaged, I think they should go through the necessary process. Um, and But the schools, you know, but the school committee, I think, you know, needs to provide a mechanism in which parents can be engaged. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think um, that um, once we have that engagement, um, I, I believe that you know some of the some of the the situation that we see here, such as as early as you know third grade, kids are being already suspended, or you know kids are struggling and like opening um, making the the numbers even to be higher, you know, for the, the the school to prison pipeline. So I think that we definitely need to find other mechanisms and not just suspension. I know that according to the data too, suspensions have gone down, mm -hmm. um, but I want to know how what was what are we doing to to bring them down. And can we keep doing that? Um, and also, can we also um, bring in, draw out the uh, uh, other mechanisms, like for example, yoga, other things that other you know schools are doing or other places are doing that are decreasing. Is this is yoga is just as part of like calming kids down and helping yeah. kids get their head together? Together, um, if you know, if there's because the, the the thing here is that most of the kids, you know, according to the data, you know, are um, uh, behavioral issues are stemming or are, seems to be the root of, you know, for the other problem. And yes. also, um, you know, um, injustice and racism in the public schools, you know, that some, according to the data that, you know, and not only the data, but, you know, students experience, because I, I too experience it, you know, I cannot, okay. I, I cannot shy away from that to say that um, I was not, I didn't, I didn't feel discriminated and, uh, um, uh, like no one discriminates against. I'm not my words right now. It's like <laughs> nobody, nobody. Also, no, nobody discriminated against you. Yeah, discriminated against me. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I definitely feel that um that it's it's there, and I think we yeah. need to have open and listening ears and mm -hmm. ears of compassion, um and you know and find find ways to see how we can you know fix, fix like fix the system yeah. rather than. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, it's not a it's not there because I experienced it. You know, mm -hmm. I fortunately for me, my the skill set that I have allow me to see past it. But it's it's there, mm -hmm. and the numbers show that it's there. And you know, and we had to listen as leaders. Um, you know, on the school committee, we have to listen, and even teachers have to listen um, to the students, and we have to listen to teachers as well because um, yes. they're they're also you know going through a lot in the schools it's not easy to teach because i i <laughs> i know that for sure it's not easy to teach you know the kids come come to the classroom with yeah. so many um so many you know baggage and they're 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 excited but still there's so many you know issues that they're dealing with you know that is not even um based on what is going on or what the teacher have done to them but so like we have to really recognize and have compassion because when i was a steam teacher um and when i worked with kids um was that friendly house or when i when i was so so re so rewind and yeah. maybe i wasn't paying attention i was looking to too many of these these bells and whistles on this board here tell me about your experience teaching so um i was a steam educator okay um and so and this was with the White Plains Youth Bureau. So the past two years when I was getting my master's. This is in New York State? Yeah, it was okay. just a county in New York. Um, and I, it was an after-school program. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the, the Youth Bureau, I think similar to what we, are, what we have here. And I, you know, it was a um, cohort program. So every, um, every quarter we'll have a new batch of kids. Okay. And, and I 
develop put together my own curriculum, um, bringing in um, you know students from my from my institution, and also um, with yeah. yeah. How, how old were the kids? Um, so this the uh, fifth and sixth graders. Okay. Yeah. So um, fifth and sixth graders, and it was a lovely population. I love working with them. It was incredible. Because you learn from them as you are teaching them, and they learn from you too. Mm -hmm. um, it was really interesting to see also that, um, like the sixth graders, when they, because there is a little bit different from here. Because here we have middle, middle school is um, seven, eighth, but there they had like just seventh grade, and then the eighth to twelve was like a high school. So like some of them were going into wait, they have high school. Brandon Milliken is nodding. Said so they have high school from eighth to twelve. Yeah, a lot of places. Five yeah. years. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I'm out. You guys are, 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 are schools up in an interesting way that is really common in cities, but yeah. especially if you get into towns, you'll often find that uh, like elementary schools will be broken up from like kindergarten to second grade, and then it'll be like third grade through fifth grade or or sixth grade, mm -hmm. and then sometimes you'll have middle school will be like six through eight or just six and seven. Seventh. A lot yeah. of it, it's districts try and judge what's best in terms of uh, lumping kids together, together. by age, yeah. and okay. it's uh, the idea being that. You know, even you see this in our middle schools around here. In many cases, a seventh grader is just so wildly immature, even relative to an eighth grader, that you've got like these two populations within one building. That so you got to keep those keep them separated. I don't. I don't know. You're going to keep them separated, but it, it, the idea being that there might be better ways to group them, and, it, and sure. it's sometimes easier to do in smaller districts. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Sorry to get, <laughs> sorry to get get onto a totally separate subject there. Please <laughs> keep continue. Yeah, and so it, it was amazing. Um, and then at the end of the program. Um, the kids had to do uh, a project base. Um, so whatever project we had learned in the classroom, the teacher worked with the kids um, to do like a, what is it, like a end of the year um, display. There's a term for it, science project. Sure. Um, and it was, it was, it was, it was amazing because like the city put that together, the youth bureau put that together, they invited parents and the students, you know, display what they learned and then they got a, a prize at the end of it. Um, but it was a wonderful experience. It was also wonderful to know that, um, uh, those students that I was teaching as they were going into seventh grade, they had a, they had they had an avid program at the middle school. So because I was an avid um, avid like so it's uh, advanced via individual determination. It's a program um, from it's from elementary school all the way to high school. But in some areas they start in middle school. Some areas they start they start in high school. So in Worcester okay. we have that here from the middle school. Okay, I mean from the elementary school. Yeah. And what is the, uh, I don't even know if we need so, to get into all the, the weeds on this. The it's, it's an awesome program that helps kids um, um, build, yeah. you know, um, scores, um, academic scores, and also help them prepare for a college or even like professional development and all that. I don't know anything about school, as you it's can okay. probably tell. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I want to I want to say, Brendan, a lot of people have complained that this education policy stuff is very dry. It's but wicked policy. It's wicked dry. There's at least one part that's very sexy, though. What's that? Sex education. Maybe yeah. not very sexy. Yeah. What, what do you think of sex education, Gemma? So as a public health um, uh, practitioner, I we need it. According to the data yeah. in the city, we needed the high-teen pregnancy, um, rising STI, STD rates, um, among others, we we need it. What should it, what should it look like in Worcester? And as a public health professional, you could give us a you could actually like, might be tell the first person qualified helpful. on the show to actually discuss. Yes, yeah. like like what kinds of stuff should be in it, and what kinds of stuff do you think is not really appropriate? So, um, and and so and that's based on the data as well, and what um, and what the data is showing and proving. Yes. So, in order to um, curtail some of like teen pregnancy, there's so many like dimensions um, with that. 
So like from if you know starting from like the middle school level, if we want to start a you know sex ed from the middle school, it has to be age appropriate, and it has to also um, target some of the things that we're seeing in the data. Because after a year or two, you want to monitor that program to see yeah. if it's actually decreasing. Because nowadays in our middle school, we having daycares. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we want to reduce that. We want to also um, look at. Uh, relationship issues because in middle school that's when all of that is stemming right mm -hmm. um you know relationship issues and you know, um social issues um communication issues um this would be like consent and stuff like that consent and all that yeah exactly yes and then in the high school is it's again age appropriate so in the high school you know that you know kids are more they're involved in sex I mean, this is not, if they're having babies in the middle school, hey, what are they doing in the high school? It's the same, you know, it's, so the data is, is proven that it's, it's, it's showing. So we definitely need programs that are going to um, expose kids um, to, um, you know, to curtail the data and to help us, um, you know, provide that mechanism for kids to um, be in better relationships or um, understand their rights, understand where they can get services from. Mm. Um, and understanding um, how health and their health is very important and how they can also build social social skills um, um, and communication skills, consent, all that stuff. I've got a question for you based on your, your, your education background. So I feel like one of the big, whether it was is genuine or it was just used as sort of a, a, um, a red herring with the folks who were opposed to sex ed uh, last year in the city, um, it was it kind of drilled down to we don't we want to be we need to be extremely respectful of people's cultural and religious beliefs. But the one thing that I don't think ever really came up, and you're a perfect example of this, I think you have an education background in public health. Did your view on sex ed change through your exposure to public public health as a curriculum, like a, as as a field of study? Like, do you, do you have the same views on sex education in the public schools that if I asked? 17 year old you would you have the same views that you had today because i mean i feel like that's one of the things that that's actually it's easy to say well we need to be respectful of religion and culture but in a weird way what we're saying is well we don't want that person to have to change their mind and i feel like that's part of the problem in worcester is that mm -hmm. we haven't had genuine conversations based on you keep saying statistics and data that's all that matters right like we're, we're talking about reality and it's like yeah, and, it's, yeah. we're almost trying to ignore an objective reality in worcester uh by taking a safe route and instead of saying hey like there might be some stuff that is real that we're uncomfortable discussing so we're going to put it on the back of religion or culture or whatnot reality is we just need better it would from my perspective we just need better education and yeah. well, you're the only person in the room who's educated on that front yeah and um, there are a lot of curriculums, evidence-based curriculums out there. Sure. Um, you know that can be looked into. Um, I also think with the with the the, the the state department, the health department coming up with their own kind of guidelines um, would be you know a great met, a, a great way to move forward uh, because that system should have already been put in place. Yeah. Um, and um, and and then you know like this public school is working with the. The public health department here can devise strategies to work with the school committee mm -hmm. to engage, you know, families who have, con you know, who have, who have concerns. And there is also a thing in public health where if you don't want a service, you can opt out of it. Sure. Um, so definitely, um, you know, explaining, you know, just explaining the strategies and explaining the process that parents can, you know, that parents are entitled to and kids are entitled to. But again, I think that we should not forget about the data because at the end of the day, if you put a program together. Um, for a set population, and if we're talking about evidence-based, right, if it's a set population, um, and we're giving a service to a, uh, a group of kids, at the end of the day, the outcome is that we want 
to change X, Y, and Z. And um, after you know years of six years, six you know six months evaluation, or however, because the curriculum will have their own ways of evaluate you know, evaluating um, the program. So if there's a method of evaluation, if we're and if we're evaluating these programs and seeing that nothing is happening. Then we might want to, you know, change stuff, yeah. and or maybe do our own do, do our own research mm -hmm. and um, use our own population here in Worcester, yeah, um, and devise our own curriculum that may, that you know would fit what we want. Mm -hmm. And again, you would need um, expertise on that. So you would need the health department. You would need this, you know, like this, the guidelines. You would need people who are in, you know, even universities and professors who are invested in research and all of this stuff. Um, and you would need public health experts like myself on, you know, mm -hmm. on the table to ensure that process. Um, and it's very interesting segue because um, I'm working on a, on a research um, with a professor friend of mine from the University of um, South Florida um, on a, a sexual health program for populations in Liberia because we did some research last year um, and that we found that even in the, even the country, there's not a evidence-based comprehensive curriculum mm -hmm. um and um in the library also had you know the the data is even um advanced with the number of um, students um that are you know either being pregnant or are pregnant or um, hiv rates or um and also that stems from all of the socioeconomic factors mm -hmm. in the country and economic factors as well so we are doing a research study with the with um, with this lady and, and uh, my friend and then also with um, other health departments and leaders in the country too. So this is really interesting um, to see that Worcester is also on that same platform in terms of just finding what is relevant or what can be relevant mm. um, for our schools and our students. Roger Milliken. No, no, that's uh, that's All fine. Right. Uh, tell us about one of your favorite teachers. <laughs> oh wow! Um, Do you need if you need a minute to think about it? I can talk about commodities news. <laughs> but if you got one, tell no, us. No, so um, I, uh, this is a, a very interesting and special uh, person. Um, there's a couple of them, but I think he stands out the most to me. Can I say a, can I say a name? Or? Of course. You should, you yeah. should yes. <laughs> so Mr. Yes. D, um, and uh, that was my biology teacher in high school. And he was just very understanding. Okay. Um, and he's someone who, um, when he see your, when he sees that a, a, a student is trying, he encourages students. Um, he's very passionate about teaching, and uh, a lot of the, the the science programs that I was put into, on, I did not know that you know it was that that was his doing. And he saw something in me, and he said, you know, I didn't know this until I actually graduated. Oh, that he that he was like uh, we're putting you on a certain science track. Yeah, and I and I came back and I was like, Mr. Do you did you do? And he was you know we had a conversation <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, he said I saw that you were very you know you had you know um, the academic expertise and you know you liked science and um, he had a website for students to go on um, and then he realized that I was the only one that was using the website to advance <laughs> my knowledge and he said, Jamal, you're the only one that you know that did that and I was like, what? Because yeah. I'm thinking that you know the whole class did that, but he was like, no, and so I saw something in you. Um, and I also had a, you know, I wanted to be a medical doctor, um, but not knowing that, you know, after I did that program, I decided, well, I still want to be in the health field, but um, I don't like blood. <laughs> I cannot even stay in my own blood. Um, yeah. And then also, like, it was just like, you know, as, a, as a teenager, too, when I when, when we went to UMass, I realized, oh, do I really want to be in a, like, a, you know, like a confined area where you have to see patients and you're not doing anything but then, you know, so I just, I limited myself a little bit, but I don't, I didn't limit myself a lot because I can still do, like, the future is still advanced for me. 
Um, but um, and I realized that um, that probably wasn't the best track for me. But I still love the health field, and I love policy, and I love working with communities, and I love research. Um, so and I like I love teaching as well because it's, it's, so find a blend of all of that. Um, definitely was something that I and I I pushed the words and even gave my master's degree. You know, some of the, the work that I did too to yeah. help me with that. Yeah, and then be on a school committee too. It's like you're, I'm going to be involved with you know. Um, policies for um, health-based policies. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it all kind of like intertwines. That's awesome. Mr. D was at South. Yeah, all right. And he's still there. And there's other teachers too, like my history teacher, um, Mr. Coforio. He's still there too. Um, and he teaches in um, besides just teaching, but he also he teaches the um, community service learning program. Um, like my like my ninth grade teachers were amazing. I, you know, English teachers were amazing. But there's just some, man. You just have to pray for them. <laughs> Those teachers of which we can say nothing, we must pass over in silence. <laughs> uh, the final question, I think we've covered some of this, but what's your experience with education policy and what in your life has helped you understand how your decisions would affect our 25,000 students? Um, can you want, you want to rephrase that a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is just maybe maybe the better way to put this question is: uh, Is there are there any topics in education that we haven't covered that you wanted to mention that relate to this this uh, campaign? Yes. Um, so maybe so the answer is no. Maybe we covered everything. We cover everything, and we cover largely like the the health based part, which um, we don't like. You know, we haven't touched deeply into that yet in Worcester. But uh, something else too, like the the whole professional development piece of it, and um, creating a track for students, um, and um, and and almost like you know having the mentality of like a caseworker mindset, um, creating platform, you know, a track for students that they can move from based on their based on what they have experience in and their skills and what they're telling that they want to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of educational policies around that. I know, like, you know, organizations that I followed through the years that are, you know, creating a track for students, you know, tracking students and helping them through the way, whether it's um, even just, you know, lending a, an ear, you know, to, to, to listen. Um, they're there, um, whether it's, if it's just, um, you know, helping that student in whatever they need, basically, um, is what I think we have to look more deeper into rather than just um, saying, oh, yeah, well, you want to go to college, X, Y, and Z, just figure it out. Because it's uh, yeah. for kids who come from, you know, underprivileged background um, and with parents who, are not, who have not obtained education here in the U.S., it's very different, um, you, know, for, for, you know, for us, I want to say, because I was a part of that pool as well. Um, and trying to because trying to figure that on your own, it, it takes a long time. It's a great skill because you learn it and it helps you for other things. But sometimes, too, if we can kind of like, you know, um, provide access to information earlier on it could you know cut down some kind of barrier some many barriers to allow kids to flourish and go more far and farther in whatever they want to do yeah brendan Melican, would you press the yellow button please i would um <laughs> Brent crude oil is 58 dollars a barrel unchanged on the week and down 19 percent on the year bitcoin is 1100 no eleven thousand two hundred dollars unchanged on the week and up 90 percent on the year you were going to say something? Yeah, no, I had a question, I guess, um, for you uh, along the lines of, um, so you meant, you touched briefly upon your own experiences with racism in the public schools, and I think almost everybody uh, involved in public, public school policy agrees that one of the best ways to deal with uh, institutional racism, especially in the public schools, is to have a pool of educators who better reflect the community that they're, they're educating. 
Do you have any thoughts on like how a city like Worcester? Because uh, we talked a couple weeks back that like I feel like it was only ten fifteen years ago. Maybe it was just me talking. Um, it was like only 10, 15 years ago, we were extremely, and I think correctly critical of the Worcester Police Department for not being as reflective of the city as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like in that 15 years or so, like the demographics have changed wildly in the Worcester Police Department. I, but I still haven't seen, and I still don't see a lot of people other than just mentioning it like I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. It seems like the fire department and public, edu- public education are the two places that are sorely lacking in terms of even being remotely diverse, never mind actually reflective of the uh, the city as a whole. Do you have any thoughts on how we improve upon that? Definitely. Um, so, and that is a part of my platform as well. A, a key point in my platform is to, because um, I was a part of the Worcester Future Teachers Program um, that was, it's still going on at Worcester State University. And the mission is basically to um, educate kids as early as ninth grade where you know you can take courses at Worcester State um, and by the time you're out of high school then you have like a two-year degree or two-year worth of courses at a state in- institution um, and they also provide scholarships for kids to, to go into really? the, yeah in the teaching field huh. um, there's there, there's also another piece of it and there's a pipeline that once the, the student graduates um, from Worcester State then they enter into they will automatically have opportunity for a position in the public schools Wow. That track, although it's a little, needs more focus and mm-hmm. um, uh, it needs more focus and um, better ways to recruit students because there's, the recruitment process is lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we cannot say that there's, they're not, you know, bright and educated students of color because there are. Um, so, so one thing that I have realized through my little research that I'm doing <laughs> is that the recruitment process is lacking. Yeah. Because um, the program has been a, a part of the city or with the schools for so many years. But I didn't, when I was a part of it, I didn't really know all that. Yeah. It's the first that I've heard of it. And yeah, yeah. I've been here for 43. So, so we yeah. definitely need to, you know, um, you know, th- and this is something that I was saying, access to information, right? Right, right, right. Um, We need to, you know, be, and, and that's, one, that's one of the things on my platform that I'm going to push for and let kids know in the schools that this is an avenue. Yeah. Rather than, you know, rather than um, just assuming you know, if we can provide the means for students to be on that track to already start, you know, doing lesson plan development or teaching, um, that is a better way and providing the, the means, the funding for them to achieve that is a better way yeah. to create, a, you know, a pipeline. Uh, and the more so giving them jobs, you know, once they're done, they can come back into the system. Because if we had done that when I was in High school and mm-hmm. my I'm, I have a master's. I'm 26 years old now. Mm-hmm. Let me just play that little <laughs> second word out, right? We will have educators. Well, that's what I'm saying. You yeah. have it doesn't. I mean, I think when we're looking forward, like 15 years ago, when we were talking about again correctly that like the Worcester Police Department wasn't reflective yeah. of the city. Well, it's like the time frame that you imagine that taking to fix that. It seems like forever. Yeah. But here, like again, 10, 15 years go by. And the demographics have changed a while. That's not a lot yeah. of time. I mean, that's that, that's a blink of an eye in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I, I can see how uh, creating a generation of teachers that better reflects the city's demographics that could take a little bit more time, but only because of the education requirements necessary, right? If you need to be, you need to have a master's degree now. But I mean, the, yes, the, the and you easy need to one, have the, um, certification, the certification. But actually, not only that, not just a master's degree, you can have a a bachelor's and get on a provisional cert. Yeah. yeah, and with the uh, and with the teacher's um, licensure, they give you five years mm-hmm. for you to obtain that licensure. Sure. And in the meantime, you so you can be teaching. 
So there's already a pipeline of stu- of um, teachers, um, diverse teachers, you know, right, right. that are paraprofessionals or even substitutes. That if they want to come into the public schools, that mm-hmm. there could be a mechanism to to bring them to integrate them. No question. I guess it just goes. Back, the only reason I'm kind of hedging on that one is it goes back to your one of your first thoughts, that pointing out that we only have a 30 percent of the population of Worcester has any higher education degree. So we're already starting with a, a relatively small pool to begin with. That's what, all I was going to say was it, in my head, it's especially when it comes to creating generational wealth. Yes. Police is was the right, but the fire department is another one as well too. Like it blows my mind that. Mm-hmm. Every year, every junior in the Worcester Public Schools isn't brought together in a forum to explain that, hey, there's a $70,000 a year job waiting for you, and all you have to do is show up and take this test in March. That's it. Like, you have a a high school education, and you take a test, and it's, I mean, my grandfather was a firefighter in Worcester, and it was like that opportunity for an uneducated Irish guy at the time is what turned the corner for my family, you know, post-World War II, right? It's what allowed them to put three kids to college. It's what allowed all of the, that generation to put my generation through college and whatnot. And it was just the opportunity of someone saying, hey, you have nothing else going on. Yeah. You should go be a firefighter. Yeah. And I, I guess that goes back to what I was saying yeah. earlier, too, about, um, you know, not everything always needing to be preparation for higher education. Yeah. There are folks that for whom fire, higher education might not actually be right right now. Yeah. But there are still so many other op- opportunities here in the city that I think a lot of people have no idea that exist, especially if you just got here. Thank you. Right? Yeah. Like if you just showed up literally yesterday, like the and, and, and if no you don't have saying, somebody who already knows the system, exactly. you are like, done. But how much time would it take, again, yes. bringing all the juniors and yeah. our four high schools, five high schools, whatever, is it four or five? Four. Might five. be six. six. Might be six. Um, together, just to say, hey, look, like you're going to college, great, whatever, you got plans, just want to let you know. There's a test, and all you got to do is show up and take it. And there's a seventy thousand dollar a year job waiting for you. But that we, yeah, we need to, you know, um, uh, research more, and and not only just research, but um, bring other ways like recruitment methods. For example, you if, recruitment. If, That's if there was a large, yeah. you know, career fair going on yeah. of different, you know, professionals um, in the field um, for high school students right out. And yeah. some something that I also I think that we should. And okay, so one we should basically create an opportunity for that is much like the real world for kids in school in the school yeah. so if they're in high school so let's say if they want to go through the the higher ed path we need to make it as real as possible in high school mm-hmm. if, if they want to go through the um, you know vocational skills and other you know workforce development we need to create that avenue for them um right then mm-hmm. you should not wait for you know the real world to grab hold of them and then suppress them and then now you have you know mental health because trust does a whole lot to yeah, mental yeah. health um we shouldn't want to we shouldn't wait for that i think mm-hmm. that we need to invest i th- we need to do more on that and um another uh fascinating thing a piece a story that just came to my mind was that was at one of the new in square um concert and you know a a, a certain pr- <laughs> principal said to me i you know please come and visit us because we don't get a lot of people from the school committee coming to visit us. Um, and it will be great, you know, because I had told them that I yeah. went to East Middle and I was trying to meet the new principal. There are no voters there. there. Yeah. <laughs> They're all kids. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, please come and visit us. Yeah. And I was startled um, when he said that we don't get a lot of visitors from the school committee, but then yet yeah, people have a lot to say mm-hmm. about the schools. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I need to, yeah. So just... If you don't have a real, if you're not going to the schools, you don't have a reality. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. no. I mean, I'm just wrapping up. Uh, I have got one son. He's just wrapping up his time in public school now, and it's uh, again. I I'm very comfortable saying that. Um, 
even when there were challenges, they were challenges that were easily conquered because of, uh, you know, a, a lifelong fundamental understanding of how that system works. Because my parents were educators. Like, yeah. I had that luxury of being able to take that for granted. Yeah. But it is a nightmare. It like, is. the, the few times that I would actually have to try and call, like, the superintendent's office to get information or for something that I couldn't find on my own, it was insane just yeah. how uh, little... It, it, it's almost like it's an expectation that we don't communicate with parents. Like, we don't talk to you. Like, that's yeah. not what we do. And it was just bizarre, that that, 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 that side of the relationship. And I can, I can only imagine if you were starting from square one, yeah. trying to do the right thing and yeah. figure out, like, what needs to happen with your kids. Like, finding that point of contact would be nearly impossible. Like, I... I on the school level, it's it's very different. Like you, you do have, but even there, depending on the size of the school, uh, some of our elementary schools, they're tiny little entities that are like little neighborhood schools. We have other elementary schools; they're enormous, and you know you've, you still have the same number of administrators who are overseeing that many students and that many parents. Uh, it's easy to get drowned out and easy to be ignored uh, when you actually need help just navigating. And uh, yeah, we don't do a great job of that. And I was just reading a a, a a a paper that you know said that the school committee um, members, each person on the on the committee, um, you know, possess such power to do so much for, that could change an entire an entire school district. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just want to be a part of that, you know, that group that can utilize that power and that potential to do more. Like, and and that comes comes back to my. To my to my slogan, doing whatever it takes. If I have to go sit down in the class because, um, the, you know, because we want to figure out. Um, so this is I have a story. So this is another story that <laughs> I right. have. Like ESL, for example. Like when I came to like from Liberia, um, you know, I had a Liberian accent because my country we're English based speaking country, mm -hmm. but of course the American accent is a little bit different. So my father said, "Incorrect no. is what it is. It's a little bit more incorrect." That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad said, "No, you're not going into the ESL class because his mentality of it was just different um, from what it actually you know what it, it is." But then I've also heard you know some other you know students that was in the program that said they didn't learn anything, um, being put in the in the ESL huh. class. So like, and this is you know where school committee members have such power because. Um, you have the power to, to you know, go into schools and see what is actually going on and sit, sitting down in a few classes to evaluate, you know, and just observing. Right. Um, and then, you know, devising ways to help because if you're not there, if you don't know, I like to know everything. I like to know everything to the T. Whatever, if there's a question mark, I want to know why there's a question mark. So, and that's, that helps me and it also helps even policy makers mm -hmm. uh, um, develop better, you know, platforms or policies that actually affect people rather than just sitting, you know, and just devising things based on, you know, research. Because sometimes research too is not 100%. Mm -hmm. um, well, the data needs to be great. Yeah, we, correct. We're seeing yeah. that now in the city with uh, our conversation about d discipline in the schools. We don't seem to have the ability to, to agree to the terms that we're trying to define in the yeah. first place, uh, which is, is the thing that's holding up whether or not our local versus state data is correct in terms of discipline rates. It's, yeah. That's one of our problems here very much is, is agreeing to the terms that we're discussing so that we can all agree what the data actually tells us oh, and then nice. act upon that. Brandon, I'm going to interrupt you because uh, you we're, we're running short on time and I want to ask you the question. I want to ask you the question that everybody is wondering, which is how much can you bench? <laughs> Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> I can bench when I was working out a lot. Yeah, um, I mean this, and so and so. Oh. <laughs> generally, the answer we're looking for is lifetime, rep, lifetime record. 
Oh my god. So what was like the most like when you were working out a lot? What Forty, because I have weak right. upper body strength, but I have fantastic lower body. I can squat like so I was two hundred pounds. I was yeah more than that, and it also deadlifts. Uh huh. My game was sharp. Nice. You think you feel squats are re- more relevant than bench? You can skip chest day. You can't squ- skip leg day. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks for being on the show. Thank this you. is cool. Thanks thanks for doing this. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. At long last. Um, yeah, that's all. that's all for this episode. That's all we got. Well, yeah, uh, we'll see you next time. And remember, you can bench more than you think you can. Yes. <laughs>